Well, hello, hello. Welcome to Ignite Your Passion with me, Bonnie Lang. I have been sharing inspiring stories, motivational tips, and interviewing people doing what they love. There have been so many incredible interviews. I have laughed, I've learned new things, and I've been motivated and so inspired. And I hope that it does the same for you. I hope it gets you moving toward your dreams and it ignites your passion and the fire within you. It was so much fun chatting with Tim Morrow, the president and CEO of the San Antonio Zoo. He said, I'm thrilled to be a part of something that is such a part of San Antonio. It's a great opportunity to make a difference. He told the San Antonio Magazine back in 2015, and you still hear that in our conversation, the enthusiasm that he has for the zoo. And you'll also hear how it's transformed. You'll hear the path that led him to the zoo and what's to come at the San Antonio Zoo. This was so much fun. So I am honored to have our guest, Tim Morrow. He's the CEO and president of the San Antonio Zoo. So welcome, welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here and taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, so I wanted, want you to just first tell us about yourself, where you grew up. And of course, you now live here in San Antonio. Sure. Um, so yes, tell us about that. Sure. I was actually born in Washington, D.C. and then um, adopted when I was a baby by a family that uh, my dad was in the FBI and my mom was a teacher. And so we moved a lot at first. And so we were, I lived in Virginia for a few years and then Springfield, Illinois for a couple of years. and then. Um, San Antonio, I was here for second and third grade. And I remember having to move again and being devastated at the age of eight or nine that we were leaving San Antonio because we just fallen in love. As a kid, I had fallen in love with the city. And um, so then we moved to Virginia Beach for a little bit and then kind of settled in Dallas, outside of Dallas and Plano. So from fifth grade through high school, I was in Plano, Texas. And then uh, my sister was one year behind me graduating. Once she graduated high school, uh, my parents moved back to San Antonio to the same Hunter Street to the same neighborhood they lived in before because all their friends were still there. And then about a year or two later, I came back to San Antonio. So I've been back here since the early 90s um, and loving San Antonio and what it's really becoming. Oh, my gosh. I love Well, we'll get into the zoo in just a moment. But I, I've noticed and now that you just said your father was an FBI agent. So that I read an article that said that you were wanting to become an FBI agent. However, you have worked for SeaWorld, uh, Anheuser-Busch, the San Antonio Spurs, and now the San Antonio Zoo. So how did your career path change? <laughs> it's been a total accident, I tell people. So uh, when I moved down here in 91, Six Flags, which was then Fiesta, Texas, was not a Six Flags Park, was just opening. And I was coming down here to go to school to do to get a degree in law enforcement and i said well i'll work there for a summer for a job so i i signed up to be a lifeguard uh, for fun for the summer and then i was going to school in the fall and then in the fall they called me do you want to come back and be a trainer and i said no and they convinced me to come back so i went back same thing happened the next year they uh, come back and be a supervisor i kept getting accidentally promoted <laughs> and um and i was going to SAC at the time san antonio college and got two degrees in law enforcement and then i was switching over to utsa and um, at that time, I told Six Flags, like, okay, I'm not coming back. This is not what I want to do. <laughs> and SeaWorld called, SeaWorld called me out of the blue and said, hey, we want you to come run our water park in some areas. And said, no, this is not what I want to do. And um, I went, they said, well, come out and just do a tour with us and hang out. So I went out there and did a tour and, of course, fell in love with the park. And oh. so I ended up at SeaWorld for 19 years. 
Um, and then my dad, having been an FBI agent, he was had been retired and was the MBA security rep. That was kind of his after retirement fun job. So he was the MBA security guy here in San Antonio. So we always had great seats to the games. And then he <laughs> retired in like 06. And I was like, well, how am I going to get to go to the games now? And he's, and I, uh, that's how I ended up getting on the Spurs stat crew. So I was working at SeaWorld, but also my fun side job was I was on the stat crew for the Spurs, which was really amazing because I got to sit on the court, you know, with Sean Elliott and Bill Land doing TV broadcast stuff and watch that legacy of the Spurs for all those years from the front row, which was amazing. And then at SeaWorld, um, we started doing things like building Aquatica and Discovery Point. So I ended up getting promoted up to a vice president level there. And then during that time, the zoo reached out through a, they had a, a search firm looking for the new director. And uh, I said, no, of course, because I've said no to every job I've ever had. But then I came and walked walk the zoo one day and I thought, you know, everything I've learned all these years through all the different departments I've gotten to manage at SeaWorld and other places, I think I, I could help San Antonio Zoo. And it's such a local treasure that that would mean a lot to me and my family because we just love San Antonio so much. And so what, what we do here is just magnified because the whole city just loves this 108 year old institution. It's incredible. Yes. Let's talk about the zoo. Um, so in the last seven years, uh, it has transformed. It is amazing. The exhibits you've got, I mean, so many exhibits that are you hands on where you can feed the giraffes and, uh, just incredible. The Pantera walk. Yeah, we know that um, on those habitats where we have the opportunity to get guests really close um, to an animal, that's really where the, the, the spark um, is ignited to really connect to that animal and want to care for that, not only at the zoo, but in the wild. And so, you know, we've added a giraffe feed. You can do tortoise interactions now. We have a kangaroo interaction area, um, lorikeets you can go in with, and then lots of behind the scenes with okapi and hippo and rhino and other areas, or even our conservation center. So. Uh, those hands-on experiences are invaluable and it gives us a lot of time to talk one-on-one with guests about these animals, which is a, a big win for us. And then just the infrastructure of the zoo, you know, we're 108 years old. Uh, it kind of been taken for granted for a while. I think here locally, you know, we're in, a, we're in one of the few cities in this country that has two major theme parks, you know, with the Six Flags and SeaWorld. There's only a, maybe two or three cities like Orlando that can say we have multiple theme parks. Um, and so there's a lot of competition for um, attention and visitors, both local and tourists. So you have to be really relevant and out there and top of mind. So we've really worked on that. And then just upgrading as we go through the zoo, just constantly doing new things. So we kind of have a philosophy of really that comes from the theme parks. If you look at what the theme parks do every year, they're adding a new ride. They're kind of in a war with each other. We have to always add a new ride. Well, we're kind of pulled into that same boat of having to do some projects too. So um, we've been doing some, some mediums, what I call medium sized projects. We expanded elephant a couple of years ago. We brought the drafts back and expanded that Savannah. We recently expanded Rhino. Um, we've done a, a expansion of our whooping crane exhibit upgrades to Australia. Um, just recently Neotropica and that Pantera walk. So we're just going through the entire zoo, really flipping it. Um, and it really excites the visitors. It gives them something new to come back for every year. And then on top of that, we have an, an incredible events lineup where we have like right now is spring break here. So we're doing jungle boogie break. Where we have bands and DJs and just lots of fun going on in the summer. We bring in attractions like giant dinosaurs or giant bugs. And then we have a six week Halloween program, six weeks of Christmas or holidays, and then lots of events. Like we have an official fiesta event. So there's literally something different. Every time you visit the zoo, something different is happening, which creates that repeatability for locals to keep coming back multiple right. times a year. 
And for visitors that maybe come down every couple of years, it's totally a changed experience each time they come. Right. And then I also heard that you are going to be having a gorilla exhibit. Yeah. So we have been working with the city and we're fundraising now with donors to bring two, two things, a new entrance. So our current entrance was built in the 1950s. It's just, it's underwhelming. It doesn't excite people when they get here. It, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't get people through as fast as we need to get people through. We've had to do a lot of kind of band-aiding to this whole front plaza to get people in faster. So we'll have a really San Antonio inspired big new entrance and plaza, which will be beautiful and really represent our city and what the great things that are happening in the zoo. And then bringing gorillas back. We haven't had gorillas here since 1991. You know, so generations of kids that have grown up in San Antonio either have never seen a gorilla and learned about gorillas in person, or they've had to go to Dallas or Houston or Brownsville or somewhere to see gorillas. And we are one of the very few big, big zoos in this country that don't have gorillas. So we're really excited to bring gorillas back in a big way. I'm super excited about that. That's my favorite animal. So (laughs) I love like when you go to your social media pages, I love how y'all are very active on your pages and you've personalized it to where it's like, um, I can't remember the names. It's been a couple of weeks since I looked at it, but like Rick, um, the giraffe, you know, he's, you know, feeling playful today, or there's like different, you know, images of them, maybe like eating or playing and, but it's personalized with their names, you know, and I think that's really cool. Yeah. That's been a change in in zoo philosophy over the years. If you look at zoos before they were more of a menagerie style and they would even call the departments were called living collections and things like that. We are moved away from the word collection. We care for animals. We're not collecting. Um, And I think in the history of zoos, they were kind of more like stock. Like if you had a ranch, this is your stock on your ranch. Well, now we know our animal care specialists work here and dedicate their lives here because they love the animals. There's no doubt they love the animals. So why not say that? And why not tell people about the names of the animals and the personalities of the animals? Because they do have names and they do have personalities. And that was that's something that wasn't done probably in the early 1900s, even through the 80s and 90s. But now... It's something that I think is really important, especially as zoos grow and become better and more focused on conservation and welfare. You know, zoo detractors use words like love to attack zoos. And we were shy about using it with what we're doing, which is wrong, I think, because we do love these animals. And our animals, like Kurt the bear um, on social media all the time, and they go, our videos go viral around the world constantly with our great social media team. Um, Timothy the hippo, of course, is famous around the world for his love letters to Fiona. Um, we have a duck that lives with the hippos, Kevin, the duck that has become internet famous and, you know, our cats and giraffes and lions, people know their names and know their personalities. And I think that's a fun part of visiting the zoo and creates a stronger connection between the community and the animals. I saw a kissing booth with one of the cats. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I thought that was really cute. You've got the glass window, but the cat's licking the window and they've got like a big heart around it. It's like kissing. Yeah, that's food. for Valentine's. We've done a lot of things fun with Valentine's. Also, we we um, we do a fundraising campaign where you can name a roach or a rat after an ex, um, and that <laughs> that that is three years old now. That program, and we've made the zoos raised um, nearly two hundred thousand dollars for the animal care just through that fun program. So we do a lot of fun things here at the zoo and try to have fun. We know that people come here first to have fun, and then we want to take the opportunity to, to teach them while they're having fun. And our staff comes here to because they think it's going to be a fun job. So we work really hard to make the, the job fun for them as well. So and that kind of cycles through. We treat our, our employees like family and we make sure they're having fun at their jobs as much as possible. There's a lot of hard work, but that translates to the way our guests are treated, too. And we see that working here. 
Oh yeah. It's incredible. That's why we actually became members because we just, yeah. And with the changes and it's just a beautiful place. And then my fiance, he loves photography and you've actually, you make it. So it's so easy to capture, capture such beautiful shots. You know, yeah, we see, we see a lot of people in here with the big safari cameras and I mean, big giant lenses and it is a great place to come practice or master taking uh, wildlife pictures and doing those sort of things. So it's fun to meet those photographers. A lot of them, some of them come every single day. And so we know them well, they share their pictures with us and sometimes we'll use them on social and those kind of things. But yeah, it's a beautiful place to come get wildlife uh, photography for sure. And the zoo is just a gorgeous backdrop as it is. You know, we're, we're 108 years old. The San Antonio river starts in the zoo and flows through the zoo. We have these beautiful trees and, and historic walls and buildings. So it's just a really pretty zoo as a baseline and then you add the incredible animals and the and the elements that we're adding now to add to the experience like some theming and music and sound and, and murals and art and so that's really adding to that whole whole 360 experience of your visit no i love it so what is your typical day like at the zoo <laughs> it is never what the same not one day ever <laughs> so i literally wake up every morning okay what do i have to do today this is this, this is how i decide what i'm wearing for the day those kind of things um so it's really never the same, which I really like. I'd be bored out of my mind at a nine to five desk job. Uh, the fun thing about the zoo is we get to be creative and, and really make a difference in what in the visitor experience. We're making a difference around the world with our conservation efforts. And we know the more we improve the zoo and the more people visit, um, it just equals more conservation, more education work we can do. And so some days I spend the whole, almost the whole day in meetings, which drives me insane. I try to get out at least once a day and walk the zoo. Uh, you know, we have a preschool up the street, so I try to get up to the preschool and visit the kids and teachers. Uh, we run the train in the park. We run a Starbucks in the park. We operate Kitty Park now, which is the oldest children's amusement park in the country. And then behind the scenes, we have an incredible conservation center with endangered species that we're breeding and working to, to like figure out the playbook of how to breed those. So if they ever go extinct in the wild, we can bring those back and things. So it's just something incredible every day happening here and, and the staff we work with is amazing. So I really like to get out and talk to the staff and get out and talk to the community about what's happening here at the zoo. Cause we've seen in recent years, a lot more support. I know a lot of, even I thought before I came here, it was a city run or city operated or funded zoo, which is not, we're private. Uh, we just sit on city property. Uh, and so as we're fundraising for the big projects like gorilla that we're going to do, there was a lot of perception that what, you know, the city gives them money and, and pays for all that. Why would I donate there? So um, one of the things that came out of COVID for us was we were really able and forced to tell the story that we are a nonprofit and we need help from the community to grow and get better. And so we've seen uh, a big increase in support from the community um, since COVID and really telling that story and the way we survived COVID has, I think, really inspired people. And if somebody wants to contribute to the zoo, they can just go online, right? Yeah, go to sazoo.org, you click on donate, and there, you can contribute to specific programs like corn toad reintroductions or uh, work in the Amazon that we do or just the zoo general fund. Um, there's just tons of ways to participate in the zoo as far as an individual donating. You know, we have a, a plan giving now, so if people are writing wills and want to include the zoo, they can do that. And then for businesses, they can sponsor things like we have, you know, the events, Zoo Law and Christmas and Halloween and all these things. So we get a lot of opportunities for sponsorships and company picnics and those kind of things where people, any time they're coming here, even just spending their money is helping us. So that's, it's an incredible part of what we do here. And I mean, y'all give back in so many ways. I saw a picture posted just recently where you're in Port Aransas cleaning the beach. Yeah, that's one of our teams who's down there cleaning the beach. And we're uh, really well known for our, our conservation work with whooping cranes. Um, so we were also down there at the whooping crane festival. And this zoo is um, 
credited with being one of the, the facilities in this country that helped save that bird from extinction. They were down to less than 20 birds. Um, and this zoo had a, a birth of a little baby named Tex that really spurred the comeback of that species. And now they're up over 800 uh, whooping cranes back out in the wild. So we're really excited about um, that conservation effort that we've been a part of for 70 years now. Now we have an amazing pair of whooping cranes here that um, we posted a video last week of the, the male out there dancing and showing off. So we know that hopefully we're going to have some eggs this, this season and uh, really excited about the potential of some more uh, births of that endangered species here at the zoo. So yeah, we are all over. Uh, our conservation programs are in, we're in, we're in Peru and the Amazon, we're in Chile, we're in Mexico, the Gulf of Mexico, China, Japan, all over the U.S., right here in San Antonio with Edwards Aquifer work. And so we, we are doing conservation work all over the planet, cleanup work right here in Brackbridge Park, down to the coast, and then really focused on giving back to the community through other ways, too. So we donate one million, over a million dollars worth of tickets and packages and, and experiences back out into the community every year for people to be able to come to the zoo and help support other nonprofits that are trying to raise money also. That's incredible. I see that you're on several boards, but you've got a beautiful family. So how do you balance your time? It's hard. And my wife works also. So <laughs> she's an executive at USA. So we both have busy, crazy schedules and we really just focus hundred percent on the kids when we're not working. Um, and so they're, you know, they're used to our crazy schedule. I've never had a normal schedule before I was in the theme park world. And that was even crazier because that was a lot of weekends and late nights when the parks were open until 10, 11 o'clock at night. So it's gotten more, a little more normal that way, but there is a lot of events or speaking engagements or fundraising that, that happen in the evening. So we just spend hundred percent of our time that we have with the kids focused on the kids and doing fun stuff. And they love coming to the zoo and they love what we're doing here. And um, Colton, my son was here the other day with some of his friends and asked, um, how many projects have y'all done here in the last couple of years? And I said, I don't know. And he's like, I think you're going too fast. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of construction at the zoo all the time. We're constantly growing and when I first got to the zoo and started some projects, I remember a guest stopping me, asking me, you know, when is the construction going to be over? My answer was like, never really. We should just constantly be growing and getting better. Um, and it's the Golden Gate Bridge. Once you get to the end, you come back and start all over again. And, and we have the other side of 281 still to build on. So we're really excited about once we grow to the other side of 281 and get the zoo spanning both sides of the highway. It's going to be a really incredible long day experience that people would spend an entire day here. But you don't even notice that it's under construction because right. it's, yeah. Um, we try to hide it and we're strategic about where we're doing things at, you know, we're trying not to have two big projects right near each other. We have right now our Kronkowski's Tiny Tot Nature Spot is under construction, but we've made it where you can still play in front of it on the Great Lawn. You can still get around behind it to the, the play areas there. Um, you know, once that's finished, we'll be starting our front gate, which will be a big challenge because it's the way in and out of the zoo right now. <laughs> and then we, you know, we want some time before we start Gorilla and those kind of things. So we're spacing things. So it's not a really painful process for our visitors. We're really focused on the experience of the guests when they come here. So trying not to make it where they feel like things are closed or everything's under construction, but there is constantly change happening. And I think that excites a lot of people. Do you have an idea when the gorilla exhibit is going to be complete? So we think probably 2024 or 2025 really depends on fundraising. So we're in the middle of a campaign right now to fundraise for that. The city has helped us through the, um, the bond and the TERS tax, um, that give it, giving us some money to really get that going. And then we've been fundraising and meeting with individuals and foundations and corporations to really get that funded. And so we're hopeful um, if all goes well, we could start construction on that once the front gate is done in late 23 and hopefully open 24 or 25. It'll take some time. You know, we have to, the things you have to think about when building a grill exhibit are pretty amazing. Like we need to go in there 
a year before and start planting big trees because the gorillas are just so strong they pull trees out of the ground. So we have to buy big trees, plant big trees in the spots they're going to be and then build around them because you got you want to have those planted in and set before you build and, and things like that. But that's going to be a fun project for us. And it's designed right now as the largest school of habitat in the country, which we're really excited about. And we'll really showcase um, gorillas and visitors kind of blended together. And it's going to be really hard to tell where the exhibit ends and where it begins. And guests are sometimes going to feel like they're in the exhibit. Sometimes they're going to feel like gorillas are out of the exhibit. So it's going to be a really unique um, habitat that I've never seen anything like it before. And I don't think anyone else ever has. So we're really excited about what it's going to do for San Antonio and for our zoo. That's incredible. So along this journey, what have you found most challenging? Uh, I would say time always. <laughs> There's not <laughs> enough time in every day. You know, like you mentioned, I want to be home to the family and things like that. There's just not enough time. We're doing so many incredible things right now um, that if I could have 48 hours in each day, I probably still wouldn't get it done. But it's definitely the challenge of time. And we're pretty aggressive as far as our growth and the things we're doing. And I remember when I interviewed for this job, they, they, I had references listed. One was an employee that worked for me at SeaWorld. Uh, and they asked him, what's going to be Tim's biggest challenge if he becomes the president and CEO of the zoo, and his answer was he nailed it. He's going to want to fix and do everything at once <laughs> right away. So um, we've been aggressive. I, we have to pace ourselves for the staff so they don't get, we, we don't want anyone to get burnt out or tired or hurt and those kind of things. So we've really kind of found a good pace now. We've grown. So when I got here seven and a half years ago, there was less than 400 employees. We're up over 700 now. So we're built now to be growing and not just kind of sustaining what we had before. So, but it was just really exciting time. But I think the biggest challenge is time. Like everyone here would love to do everything at once. Um, we just can't do it. We just physically can't do it. So um, we just kind of plan out the next five, 10 years and, and, and follow that plan. Throughout your journey, what is one of the biggest things that you've learned from it? I think, you know, my biggest learning when, right when I got to the zoo is, wow, this community really loves the zoo. I knew people love SeaWorld and love Six Flags, but not as different when you talk about San Antonio Zoo and people's memories here because they've been here for 108 years. And then when I learned oh, there's 600 volunteers that help this zoo operate and there's these donors that, you know, give us money to do these things. Like it's been really inspiring for me to, this is the first time I've been with a nonprofit, but it's been really inspiring. And it's been fun for me to watch as we brought people on from other places that were for profit, maybe businesses, other theme parks. Did We have people from Disney and museums and six flags and all over the country, all over the world, people, someone from Dubai here now, um, it's been really fun to watch them learn about the philanthrop philanthropic efforts in this town and the people that support the zoo and those kind of things. But uh, for me, I had a great mentor at SeaWorld. My old boss, Dan Decker, you know, really was the one that taught us and really, really constantly focused on treat the employees well first, first, first priority. And that will come back around to the guests. We've seen that. The first year I was here, lots of comments in the community out here about the infrastructure and the changes they're seeing with the buildings and the, and the pathways and the exhibits. And then from the second year on, it has been all about the staff, that your staff is so engaging, so passionate, so uh, well-versed on the animals they care for. And I tell the staff all the time, you're going to take someone to meet a rhino and touch rhinos, and they're going to leave talking about you. And it's 100% of the time, <laughs> the fact. So it's just really inspiring to work here. And I think that my biggest learning has been that everything I learned before I got here was meant for me to be here and be doing what we're doing for San Antonio Zoo. Oh, I love it. Well, I know you've got another meeting that you're headed off to shortly. So. <laughs> I'm going to New Braunfels to speak to a, a Rotary Club in New Braunfels. <laughs> Excellent. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. You are so busy. So I truly appreciate your time. Anytime. Is there anything else that you'd like to share that I maybe miss? No, I just tell people, you know, come out to the zoo. We run offers on memberships all the time. A member like you just got your memberships is the greatest way to do the zoo. Very affordable. Um, and we want the whole community to come out and really enjoy all the changes. You know, one of my favorite things is when someone says to me, and I haven't been to the zoo in like 10 years. I'm like, come now and, and see the changes. And I think you'd be really inspired. And it's not just for kids. You know, we do events for adults like Zulala, which I know you've seen. And uh, it's, it's a big food and wine festival that's coming up in May. And there's just always something new and fun going on at the zoo. Um, so it's really for everyone in the community. Thank you so much again. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, it's fun. We'll do it again. I love this so much. Now I'm going to go look up Kurt the Bear Timothy's love letters to Fiona, and Kevin the Duck. That was so much fun. I hope these interviews have been just as inspiring for you as they are for me. It has been such an incredible journey so far, and I just can't wait to see what's to come, and I feel like I've grown through this process. And I hope you are too. If you have a topic that you want to discuss, or you know someone that you'd like me to interview, send me a direct message on Facebook or Instagram, or email me at bonnie at bonnielang.com. And be sure to check out my previous episodes too. They are amazing, just like this one. Peace, love, happiness, and hugs to you. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you're enjoying this podcast as much as I am, be sure to give me five stars in the rating. Have a great day.